Zephan Blacksburg here, and today I'm joined by Lauren Bowling. And Lauren is a finance writer, millennial home buying expert, and the blogger behind LV and the Money Tree. After a misspent youth filled with credit card debt and a shopping addiction, Lauren now seeks to financially empower others by sharing the wisdom of her money mistakes. She's best known for teaching millennials how to take control of their finances, increase income, and build net worth. Bowling's work and expertise has been featured in Redbook Magazine and on Forbes.com, The Huffington Post, U.S. News and World Report, LearnVest, Daily Worth, Yahoo Finance, and Lifehacker. She is also the host of the award-winning internet talk show, Awkward Money Chat. Bowling lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and works for herself as a freelance content marketing manager and strategist. And today, she's hanging out with me. What's going on, Lauren? Hi, Zephan. How are you? I've never had anybody read my bio. (laughs) Back to me. I think I need to like take it take it home and work on it a little bit. But you did you did such a nice job. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, thanks for being here today. You know, we're going to talk about our money tree today, and I'm pretty excited to see what you got for us. So maybe just share with me a little bit about how how you got into you know some credit card struggle because I know a lot of people do this. It, it's not uncommon by any means. Um, and then maybe start to talk a little bit about you know where was that transformational point of like all right time to make a change and how did you start to learn to grow out of that? Sure. Um, so I guess it's been ten years ago. Um, I'm 28. When I started college, when I was 18, I got a credit card. You know, when you go off to college, because back then in 2005, they just gave them away like candy. Um, and I was using the card whenever I'd have a bad day. I'd go shopping or I'd go buy myself something, and so it it sort of spiraled out of control into like a diagnosed shopping addiction. Um, I went and got help for it while I was in school, but then when I graduated. I was lucky enough because my parents and scholarships had covered the tuition, but then I had about $10,000 in debt just from like shopping and partying and and living well outside of my means. So I wanted to move to New York City. Come hell or high water, I did it. I'd moved with $300 and I couch surfed for for months. I I got a job because I had to, to stay in the city. Um, And I wanted to be an actor and I was sitting at my desk job and all of my friends who'd kind of moved up there from school at around the same time were auditioning and going to classes and, and pursuing their dreams. And I couldn't because I was, you know, shackled at a desk job to pay off these credit cards and try to get on secure financial footing, which is what I should have been doing, you know, while I was in school. So that was a very transformational point when I realized because of my money mistakes, I couldn't live the life that I wanted to. And ironically, I'd gotten a job at a hedge fund, so I started learning a little bit more about money from the people I worked with and just being around money every day. But I couldn't write about it because of compliance issues. So when I left that job, I finally decided I was going to start a blog just to write about money because I knew a lot of my friends still weren't talking or thinking about it the way that we should have been. And so that's sort of where the blog started. I started it in 2012, so I've been doing it for three years now, which both seems like forever and seems like a really short amount of time. Um, and now I, I write about money every week. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So the blog, how did you find that as, you know, a way to reach more people? Was it like, hey, maybe I'll just write about this and see if people care? Or what, you know, did you have some friends who were like, man, I really wish I knew how to do what you did? Yeah, a little bit of both. I mostly started it um, because I knew 
going forward, I was kind of at a crossroads in my career. I didn't want to be an actor anymore. And I, my job in New York had been an administrative assistant. So I kind of needed a skill set. And so I, I wanted to be a writer. So I thought if I just started blogging, I'd be writing every week. I'd be practicing. I'd be getting better over time. But I didn't want to write just about like what I was doing or my breakfast or trips I'd taken. I wanted it to sort of have more of a structure and a purpose. And a lot of my friends had mentioned that they would they would love to read a little bit more about money and so that's sort of why I started it. It wasn't like I had a dream of being a big blogger or making money from it. I just I just wanted to start something. Cool. So tell me what is a money tree and where did you start to build your money tree? So to me, I feel like everyone has their own personal money tree. And, and I feel like some people have really big money trees and some people have really small ones. But the idea is that in order to to grow it and to keep it growing and thriving, we all have to nurture our money tree. So we have to know how to take care of our money and, and best practices and, and sort of respect it a little bit. Cause I know for a long time, you know, if you have this idea of a money tree, I was just like ripping the money leaves off mine left and right, you know, and not doing anything to like make sure that that money grew back. And what was the second question? Uh, and just kind of where you, where you started to grow your money tree. I really started to grow my money tree at that first job I had in New York. I paid off the original $10,000 of credit card debt in 18 months. And I was living in New York, so it was just very like strict budgeting in a very expensive city. And then from there, I started learning more. I got my first 401k. And, and then from there, the sort of the interest, the interest just grew. Very cool. So if you could go back now and talk to that college age woman and say, mm -hmm. you know, you just got this credit card. I know that it gives you a lot of freedom and a lot of access to the world. You know, what what would you say from there? You know, are there anything, uh, any tips or tools as far as both, you know, your existing funds and money and also how to, you know, utilize your credit card the best way? So Knowing what I know now, I probably would have told her to wait until maybe her third or fourth year of school to get a credit card. Um, they've done studies about how impulse control, you know, is very different when you're 18 to when you're like, you know, 22. And so I think that was a large part of it. But then also, you know, I love my parents, but we never had any financial conversations growing up. So I think I would have also told her to maybe go out and learn a little bit on her own, like kind of sit up and ask questions before you know, shit hits the fan, so to speak, <laughs> with your finances. Um, so that's probably what I would tell her. And then also just even now, you know, the older you get and the more money you make, you know, try not to give into lifestyle inflation. That's mm -hmm. a big part of it, learning how to live below your means. I think it's something everyone struggles with, even me today. Yeah. yeah. And, and and this and, doesn't mean, you know, go ahead and live off of ramen noodles for, mm -hmm. you know, every day of the week. But I totally understand where you're coming from. You know, we just moved into a house, me and a couple friends mm -hmm. uh, about two years ago. And it was like, all right, you know, we could go to Ikea and go on a $10,000 shopping spree, or we could ask around and see, you know, what our friends have and if people are giving things away and go to Goodwill. And so, you know, if you look around our house, like, you know, our we have two really nice couches, one with like a sofa bed, but, you know, it was donated by a friend who just had it sitting in her office and she didn't need it anymore. And, you know, we've got a nice 50 inch TV that ironically belongs to one of the Baltimore Ravens player well used to belong to one of the Baltimore Ravens players uh because my friend worked for an AV repair company and mm -hmm. he had these extra TVs laying around <laughs> so I think that there's 
always very creative ways uh, to go about getting the things that you want and still being able to live, you know, a comfortable lifestyle. You know, it doesn't mean living in a house without pain on the walls. But mm-hmm. I, I really like when I hear people who are just more conscious of what they're spending money on, you know, do I really need this? Do I not need this? Uh, and, and thinking towards the future, because I know that that's something that you really started to do. Uh, you know, so you got a 401k. Um, I actually got an, a Roth IRA a couple years back. Um, what would you say as far as saving up for the future? Like, what are the most important things that we should be doing to ensure that, you know, we're investing in our financial future? So I think something I always sort of recommend is an emergency fund because things come up and then you either have, if you don't have an emergency fund, you either have to put them on credit cards or you're kind of in a pickle. Um, so that's what I always say is to build up, they say six to nine months worth of living expenses. I think that's a lot, especially for, you know, someone in their 20s. So I try to strive for three and that's been, you know, for the most part, all I've ever needed. And so that kind of keeps me out of like the, the debt payoff sort of spin cycle and also just makes me feel a little bit more secure and a little bit more empowered with my money. That makes sense. I mean, it definitely, it's got to feel good to have that safety net. Mm -hmm. And do you ever dig into that if you've got a big investment coming up or anything like that? Or is that kind of the like, I I just don't touch this ever fund? Well, especially now that I work for myself, it's sort of a, I don't touch this ever unless I'm waiting on like a check from a client to come through. I also have a house. So I kind of try to earmark that money for anything that might arise with my house because things do happen once you become a homeowner that, um, like more emergencies come up when you own a home than when you don't. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. So so what was your experience like, you know, in buying a home? Obviously, with having some credit card debt, it probably hurt your credit score and things like that that affect, you know, buying a house. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, what it's been like, both the buying process and uh, I'm sure it's a huge investment on your part. Well, it was and I kind of I doubled down and put some money I had from a windfall, like a bonus that I received in New York City towards the house. But I wanted I wanted to kind of make, not money quickly, but I wanted my money to grow. So I bought a foreclosed home that needed a lot of work that where that would be that sort of instant equity when I got done fixing it up. Um, it has paid off financially, but being a first-time homeowner and renovating was horrible. It was so stressful. I never, I recommend people, if you're a first-time homeowner, just get something that's kind of ready or only needs a little bit don't try to get involved in this major major renovation it, it was a lot um, but you know two years later looking back it was a good move financially so you kind of have to weigh that out yeah and so do you feel that that would still be a good move for somebody who might not have this six month backup fund or three month backup fund or is this something where it's like you really should plan and save up for you know a couple years before you even consider buying a house i definitely recommend people plan as much as they can and save up as much as they can and really weigh out i think a lot of people want to become homeowners but for some most individuals in most cities, it is still cheaper to rent. I live in Atlanta where it is much cheaper to buy a home than it is to to rent, fortunately. Um, but I don't think homeownership is something people should rush into or take lightly. And also, you know, millennials, you know, your life is going to change in your 20s. Your career is going to change. We value being mobile and able to just kind of pick up and take off whenever we want. And when you own a home, it's, you know, you're very much rooted in kind of where you're at. Even if you you know, end up renting the home or hiring a property manager to rent it for you, it's still sort of a a tie to a location that you always have to think about. So I always urge people to to really, really think about it before they become homeowners. 
Yeah, and and so you were kind of telling me that you've been playing the little digital nomad lifestyle mm-hmm. a little bit the last few days. You're hanging out in New York today. And so, you know, this is something that I thought would be really cool to share with people is you've built a really neat personal brand uh, and had the freedom to leave your job and somehow afford a house and do all mm-hmm. these great things. You know, I'd love to talk about the, the freedom that entrepreneurship has given you um, and maybe a little bit about where your choice to, to leave the comfort of a full-time job came from. Because I know a lot of people, uh, you know, have that nine to five and really would love to leave it and chase something that they really want to to talk about or to work on. Um, so maybe tell me a little about, you know, where did you first consider leaving the full-time job? So I've been, so I work in marketing, a job that I was able to get because of the blog. I, I When I was sort of changing careers, I took my blog to a potential employer and said, hey, you know, I do this, I can do this for you. And so then immediately, you know, content marketing became a thing back in like 2011, 2012. And so now I have this career as like a content marketing manager. People really want content as part of like an integrated marketing strategy. Um, So I was doing it full time, but then I also was doing it as a side hustle for freelance work. Just people would give me one-off projects here and there. And then when I renovated my house, it was very expensive. And then I ended up having to put a lot of the overages on credit cards because I was I was maxed out. Like it was it was a very bad runaway renovation project. So that was 2013. I I didn't do anything about it in 2014 and then sort of the beginning of 2015 I said I'm gonna get rid of this credit card debt once and for all. And I paid off over eighty four hundred dollars in ninety days and I wrote about it on my blog. But a lot of that was through this side hustle, like ramping up that side income. And so eventually by the end of the 90 days, I had enough clients and enough work to leave my full-time job just like that. It just sort of happened. Um, I know that's probably not like a very strategic answer that you're looking for, but it kind of just it just happened all of a sudden. I was like, you know, I want to spend more time building my blog and my brand, and if I'm going to do it, you know, I should do this now. And so I put in notice and started working for myself <laughs> that, that's really cool what did you have like any fears doing that I mean it's really great that you know I, I feel like a lot of people get pretty lucky once they do kind of uh, make the decision to to go off on their own and they kind of you know just tell the world hey here's what I'm doing you know mm-hmm. help me out a little bit a- mm-hmm. and so I'm just curious you know d- were you afraid of money going into this because I mean that's the one thing you know the most and you know that's the one thing that uh, won't be as stable you know mm-hmm. now that you leave a job absolutely um, and it, it has been difficult having like a steady income and not having to worry about money because once you sort of like get into a groove of what works for you and your finances, you don't have to think about it as much as long as you're kind of being semi-mindful. But then when you do go work for yourself, it does become a little bit more stressful and the money you have coming in becomes like more precious because it's like your full-time income. So yeah, I was definitely scared. But I'm also the type of person that I think what you're scared of can make you stronger. So... um, I just kind of had to put that behind me, but it's definitely still something I, I struggle with. I think all freelancers and entrepreneurs will tell you like cash flow issues can be, you know, a beast when you work for yourself. Yeah, I think it's always kind of at the forefront of our mm-hmm. minds. You know, we're always sending out invoices to people. We're always tracking exactly. you know, how much we're getting paid. And, you know, so it's I, I 
definitely think there's got to be a balance there too. Like you don't want to be constantly worried about money because if you kind of go back to the law of attraction, if you're always worried of like, where's my money going to come in next, then Mm -hmm. you're not really going to get it, you know? So Mm -hmm. as long as you have to, there's like a fine line you have to walk and and make sure that you're not constantly like logging into your bank account every day just to see what's coming in. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm still in like the first three months of working for myself. And so it's definitely like working on these processes, trying to set up things that make me feel the most comfortable and the most okay, especially where money is concerned. It's been, it's been a learning curve, but it's also been good because, you know, as a finance writer, you know, doing it for three years, you kind of wonder like, you know, what else is there, but there's, there's still something new to learn, which has been cool as well. Oh, yeah. And, and money's not going anywhere. So I think there's <laughs> always going to be something to write about with that. That's true. That is very, very true. Yeah. So I, tell me a little bit about, you know, are you preparing yourself right now being just a few months out of the job? Is there anything that you're putting into place uh, to make sure that you're saving up better or to make sure that uh, you don't have to end up at a point where you've got to pay off, you know, 8000 some dollars in, in three months? Um, you know, wh- what's going on here to make sure that, uh, that you have more financial security, I guess? Well, a lot of it is, as we talked about briefly before we started our interview, like learning how to scale my business so that it can grow and I can bring in more money. But also when you work for yourself, I've become much more like aware and focused on what I'm doing for retirement. I feel like that that feels much more immediate now that I work for myself. So my one big goal for the end of the year is to max out my Roth IRA, um, which I've come close in years past, but I've never fully funded it. So I'm really, really focused on that. Um, Because, you know, they say the money you put in your 20s is worth so much more than the money you put in in your 30s. And then I I hope to, like, get married and have a family one day. And I don't know what that's going to do to my finances. So for right now, I'm trying to focus on putting as much away as I can. Nice. And and the Roth IRA, I think, where does that max out at? I think it's 5500. Yeah, so I I figured, I thought it was somewhere between about 5-6000 dollars and mm-hmm. which is not all too hard. I mean, if you do the math here 12 months out of the year, if we're looking at what 500 bucks a month, you're basically mm-hmm. maxing that out and I if you're adding in 5500 a year for, you know, 30 40 years, let's I'll do the math right here. So 5500 just times 40 years, you are putting in $220,000. Now, with interest, you know that's going to grow immensely. So mm-hmm. I think that that's a huge decision to make, a really smart decision to make. Uh, you know, it's something, one of the first things I actually did when I started my business was I sat down with like a financial planner and we were like, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to open this up and every month we're going to put some money into that. And so I, I think it's one of the smartest things you can do. Now, some people might question though, you know, why, like, logically you see the benefit, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. the money is going to be helpful in the future, but then you also kind of have people who are like, well, I need the money right now. Like I'm not making enough right now. So how can we, uh, you know, slowly start to put in money as opposed to just saying, well, I have nothing to put in. Mm -hmm. I think with any type of savings goal, it's just important to just save something. So I think it is kind of kind of easy to get caught up into, especially if you do read a lot of about money and finance, get caught up in this, like, I'm not doing enough, I'm not saving enough kind of panic. But really, if you think about, you know, you can go online and search for any type of article that says, you know, the average American family only has $800 in savings or 
you know, some other scary statistic. If you just start now and you just start small and you just start saving something, that is already going to put you miles ahead of other people. Um, so that's typically my advice. Even if it's just like I have a story on my blog about a friend of mine who saved $10 a week for a trip to Italy. And then at the end of, I think, the year, she had enough to like, I mean, she couldn't like live large, but she was able to fund it. So um, maybe if you're not going to Italy, maybe if it's just for retirement, just baby steps yeah i mean even as simple as like i have kind of like a piggy bank i have an old bank that my grandfather gave me a long time ago and it sits on my dresser and you know we're so bad with change like nobody really wants to carry change around Mm -hmm. and i actually will be that guy who keeps all my change and puts it in this bank and you know a month or two later i'll go to the coin star and i've got like 50 60 bucks and, uh, you know, you can get Amazon gift cards and because, you know, I love Amazon Prime and I buy everything on Amazon. Like, that's <laughs> awesome for me. But, you know, it's little stuff like that where it's like that's 50 or 60 bucks. I mean, for some people, that's two tanks of gas, mm-hmm. you know, so that it really does go a long way uh, just to save, you know, pennies here and there. And so it's not saying to be stingy with your money, but it's saying to be, you know, educated and just a little bit more responsible with your money. Um, I'm curious to jump back a little bit to, you know, your business, because starting such a powerful brand allows you to, you know, make more money, too, because that's a big part of of saving more money is when you're mm-hmm. making more money. Absolutely, yeah. So how did you come up with the name LB and the Money Tree? Because first of all, it kind of rhymes and it sounds really cool. <laughs> and, you know, how have you, uh, you know, stayed blogging for, for so long and really just stayed caught up with this and, and grown it into what it is? So I'll start with my name. Um, I'm, I'm Lauren. So this very popular name in the 80s. <laughs> so in all of my classes, every school I went to, there was always like two or three Laurens. And so usually there was a Lauren and then I was LB. Um, and so then I was kind of throwing around names for a blog and I was like, oh, LB and the money tree. It kind of, it literally just came to me one night, like just off the top of my head. Um, and then I changed it to LBE because it looked a little bit more symmetrical when we were drawing up the logo. Um, but I'm glad people like it. People tell me they do all the time, which is nice to hear. Um, and then blogging over three years, uh, the first year and a half, I'll admit, I didn't know what I was doing. It was literally just throwing things out there, seeing what came back, seeing what people liked. And then um, I started going to conferences. I went to FinCon and started learning more about how to be more targeted. And then I was in content marketing, so I was going to webinars and stuff for my job about how to be more targeted with social media and what you were writing and SEO and all of that. And then once I started doing that, it started growing, which became very exciting and kind of helped move me along through blogging burnout and writer's block and any of those things that come up when you write for an extended period of time. So it's been nice to see, especially in sort of the later years as um, my work's been published in more places and I've been quoted in lots of, you know, cool outlets. I was just featured in Red Book Magazine back in June which was very, very exciting. Um, yeah. So that's what keeps me going is the fact that, um, the word, the message to like be more responsible with your money and that if you make mistakes, it's okay. Just start over. Um, the fact that that's getting out there is what keeps me going. And it's, it's ironic because a lot of times when I'm having my worst days, then an email from someone will pop in and be like, thank you so much. I read this. It really helped me. And so then you're like, oh, this does serve a purpose. <laughs> so, um, yeah. 
Awesome. So what do you think if we looked at your blog right now and we could pick out like the top two or three blog posts that you've written Mm -hmm. that would be, you know, maybe like your favorite or some of your readers favorites, what what comes to mind as far as, you know, what could be the most helpful to everyone? So I've done this work for you because in the sidebar of my blog, I have a popular posts. Um, I have a few things about awkward money chat, but if you're not into videos, um, the, the blog post I wrote about how I paid off $8,000 in 90 days is very popular. Um, I also sort of wrote close to 2000 words about the step-by-step guide for building, you know, your first budget. And then a lot of my homeownership posts and resources are very popular. Um, 10 things to do before you buy your first home and then how to buy a home in your twenties. If that's something you're interested in, I detail a little bit more about that. Oh, and my 30 financial milestones before 30. Ooh, that's a good one. People liked that. I, the idea is from, um, this great blog called money after graduation and she started it. And then a couple other bloggers sort of took her checklist and, and measured where they were against it. So. Very cool. And so this is all available. You've got a website out there. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any resources that, that are on the website for people to download or check out? I do. So if you sign up for my email list, I send out a biweekly newsletter that's just sort of rehashing new content on the site or any articles that I've helped contribute to. Um, you also get a free Grow Your Money Tree toolkit, which includes a couple of my more popular blog posts on how to diversify your income, how to start a side hustle, just how to sort of make more money in general. And that's been been very popular, but you have to sign up for the email list to get it. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, look, if anybody's in debt right now, $8,000 in 90 days, mm-hmm. it paid off completely. Yes. Uh, what were maybe, what was like your one best method for helping to do that one? I did a spending freeze and I got really, really, really strict with it. Like there were you know, days where I wouldn't spend any money for like five or six days. Um, and so I wasn't going out to eat. I wasn't buying shampoo when I ran out. I had to like use little samples, like anything I could to just not spend money and put it towards my credit card debt. That's what I did. And then also just ramping up the side hustle, asking people if they needed help, you know, any and everything I could do, I did. <laughs> and so that's all documented, like right there in that post yeah, available absolutely. for everybody to check out. Mm-hmm. Very cool, because I know, that, I mean, that's that's a big deal for a lot of people right now. Debt is is very common. Uh, it's something that almost everyone goes through at some point or another in their life. And so I, I really like that a lot of the stuff you're teaching, uh, I, I feel like you don't really have to be in your 20s or 30s, right? Like it could be really valuable for anyone going through this because at the end of the day, it's all the same strategies. You know, they still work for everyone. So that's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, thanks for being here today, spending some time with us. What are, what's like your website URL and where can we find, I know you've got like a little video show going on there. So where can everybody find all this stuff? You can find everything that you would ever want to know about me on LB, that's B-E-E and themoneytree.com. As you said, it rhymes. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at LB Moneytree. And so look me up there. Those are my two biggest channels. So Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today. Everybody should definitely check out that post on, uh, I I still can't believe that. I mean, 90 days, that's a really short period of time to be able to pay off debt. So everybody should be checking that out. Sign up for the email list, uh, you know, grab your free resources there. And uh, thanks for spending some time with us. All right. Thank you, Zephan.